A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the weekly spin-off podcast for Loose Units, the podcast. There's probably more elegant ways to phrase that, but that's okay. It's a Friday. Everyone relax. I'm Paul Verhoeven. That's John Verhoeven. And Dad, obviously, everyone's been under something of a oh, bit of stress, given mm. uh, everything that's going on right now. Mm. And you mentioned that you had picked up a story yes. which might cheer us up. Is that correct? I think so. It's, it's, it's a lovely story. So I'm in the laundrette this morning. Uh huh. Which is a place I frequent once a week. Right. Don't and you I, have washing machines under under your apartment? I mate, I refuse to use them with Why? people's detritus and oh, don't even start me on it. But I've no, but I've done the laundry with you there. Oh, so you're you, a fine young man. But <laughs> but what happened? I'm saying what what spurred well, you to <clears throat> stop using those? Okay. Well, there's this thing where you put um, powder into. Uh huh. Like so, that you pull it out. Like a drawer. Yep. And, I mean, Christine and I, we are fastidious people. Yes. I love cleanliness. You're very particular. But so are you. Well. I've seen I've seen your little Lego men mm-hmm. and all your little Doctor Whos. Yeah. Speaking of Doctor Who, Paul. Uh-huh. Did you... We're not allowed to talk about that, are we? Uh, no. Cool. No, we're not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, anyway, Paul, um, this sort of thing that you open up and then pour powder into, it began to look like just this gelatinous, glutinous mass of terrible things and we just can't bear it anymore. Okay. And there's a new laundrette that's just open and it's mind-blowing. So anyway, I'm up there this morning and I, I, I never ever like to know the COVID numbers in Sydney. Right. I know that everyone tunes in at 11, and but then I just was flicking through the news and I saw the numbers in Melbourne and I was a bit sad. Um, and I thought, what's a really positive story? So I also, as the listeners may know, subscribed to the Bangkok Post. And believe it or not, it was a beautiful story. Can I share it with you and the listeners? Yes, please. Okay. So it's a short story. It probably hasn't been heard about in Australia, uh, even though we could do with a dose of you know, light-hearted, fun. Although there is a death in the story, but just hear me out. So, the title of this, and this is from the Bangkok Post, mm-hmm. is World's Shortest Cow Gets Posthumous Recognition. Okay. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Would you like to hear more? Yeah, obviously. Excellent. So, in Dakar, which is the capital of Bangladesh, a knee-high celebrity cow 
that became a sensation in Bangladesh has won posthumous recognition as the shortest cow on the planet, just weeks after its untimely demise. Rani, just 50.8 centimetres, that's 20 inches high, became an instant internet celebrity with tens of thousands of people rushing to the farm she lived on outside Dhaka for a glimpse of the miniature cow. But just after its owners applied to Guinness World Records, tragedy stuck. Did I just say stuck? Yep, tragedy stuck. Oh, God. Tragedy struck on August the 19th, which is not that long ago, when the beloved bovine suddenly died due to a sudden internal buildup of gas. Hang on. Did it fart itself to death? Is that no, what happened? Well, it, Paul, uh, it's a buildup, which means it, it couldn't it pass It exploded. Wind. It exploded. So a tiny cow exploded and there was a parade in its honour. Is that what you're but saying? But I haven't finished the story. Okay, I'm sure. I'm sure. The dwarf cow's owner, Karzai Muhammad Abu Sufian, said he received an email on Monday from Guinness World Records saying that Rani's application had been accepted. And they... Yeah. Paul, I haven't finished. A statement on the Guinness website confirmed the miniature booty world record cow status beating the previous holder, an Indian cow named Manik Yam, that stood 61 centimetres from hoof to withers. Oh, God, isn't that funny? Withers. <laughs> anyway, we sent several videos of Rani in line with Guinness World Records prescriptions. We have also sent the post-mortem report to the Guinness authorities. Now, can you guess why the Guinness authorities want the post-mortem report, Paul? Uh, it'll probably have the measurements of the animal. Or... You're so sweet. But, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Um, they want to make sure there's nothing unusual about the death, but they also require the medical records to find out whether the cow had received any hormone injections. Whatever that means. I mean, you think it'd make it bigger, not smaller. Or there's anyway, a trace of an incendiary device, given that it yeah, exploded. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, in in closing, we have mixed feelings after Rani got the recognition. We are happy that she got her due honours, but we are at the same time very sad because she is no more with us, Sufian said. Her carer burst out crying as soon as we, we told him the news. Now, isn't that a lovely story? Yeah, it's not really as lovely as you think it is. What's I mean, in summary... You were going through, what, the Bangkok Times, Bangkok Post? The... Correct. Yep. One of my favourite uh, newspapers. Okay. And you saw a story about a tiny cow that exploded and then was given a posthumous award. Yeah. And you thought, that's great for our true crime podcast. <laughs> I just thought it'd cheer everyone up. I thought you were just bursting to tell that story. Mm. Much like a little cow. Dad, I have a message here from a friend of mine that I thought you might like. Now... Some time ago, uh, my friend Grace, who was a host on um, the ABC with me, uh, she was a kids' TV host, magical person. So her partner, Aldi, decided to join the police force because of you. Do you remember this? I do. He was, yeah. So I bumped into them and she was like, Aldi's a big fan of the books and the podcast and he's such a big fan of John that he's joining the police force. And I thought, yeah, okay, cool. So I just got a message from her saying, Aldi graduated from the police academy and is out and about working and he met another police officer named Paul Verhoeven. So he goes up to him and is like, do you know John Verhoeven? Other Paul. Oh, I'm not his son. That's Paul Francis Verhoeven. Aldi. Oh, I know who the other Paul is. I just wanted to see if you knew him. And I guess kind of alluded to how we actually know you. Other Paul. Oh man, tell him I keep getting his emails. 
So there's another Paul Verhoeven out there. Bizarre. And Dad, people on the Facebook page have been posting photos of another Paul Verhoeven working mm. in the police in Victoria. Mm. Who's Incredible. got my... I wonder, I wonder if he pulled you over. Not that he would for driving because well, you don't have a license. Drive, yeah. But um, maybe for backseat driving. I would like to do... Um, a, I want to do a ride-along with that Paul Verhoeven. That... If you... Yeah. That'd be really good. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be... But yeah. the thing is, Paul, the last time you went in a police car was... Yeah. You were about, let me think, maybe five, and you had that thrilling ride in the back of a pursuit car, you and Anne. Yeah, I remember that vaguely, or yeah. at least I think, no, no, you know what's happened. I've um, I've heard the story that you told us, and then I've mm. created memories to make it feel more real. So, Again, that's probably going to draw the ire of some of the listeners in terms of gross irresponsibility, and I agree. No, it's okay. If I if I look back and actually think about strapping you kids in the back of a pursuit car, mm. me in the front, and off we go, bearing in mind the driver was on duty, I don't think that... Although, I, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, it was fun. Um, and also, by the sounds of it, Paul, your friend, is he an heir to that, that big German shopping chain? You want to know if... No, he's not. I don't think he is. No, but I mean... He could look, be. The thing is, he's, like, he's a big fan of the... Um... He's a big fan of the of the show. Hmm. And the fact is that this show's been going for some time. Obviously, we're up the tail end of this season. Hmm. I find it so interesting that someone... Just every once in a while, I get a check-in, and this guy has literally... He's gone through the academy and graduated. Amazing. And now he's out there. And here's the other thing we need to address. The fact that this Paul Verhoeven apparently is getting business-related inquiries... Golly, from what people? if he's getting into my antique calls? Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Because I mean, being... Imagine if he opened up an antique shop. Do you reckon he's read the book? I hope so. Let's find out. If anyone knows how to get in touch with this Paul Verhoeven, right, the other one, I would really, really love to have a chat with him. And maybe even, you know, like I said, I'm not kidding. Do a ride-along with the other Paul Verhoeven. It'd be mm. great. You know what would be nice is doing a father-son thing with you and him. <laughs> Paul? I'll tell you one thing, and I'm not joking. Yeah. I'm deadly, deadly serious mm. what I'm about to say, and I feel very strongly about this, and that is that I believe that your book should be mandatory reading for every police recruit that's really, in Australia. That's really sweet of you. No, I'm serious. I mean, what a great... I mean, we know for a fact that that your book, I, and this is 100% rigidage, has guided and encouraged various people over the last few years who are now serving members of various police forces, including in New York, that's a fact, and also in New Zealand and no doubt other places in the world. Mm. So, you know, it does have a... Imagine if we had have done a very negative podcast that would not have succeeded because neither of us are negative people, but imagine if we had have just banged on about all the bad things about policing. Mm. That, that would not encourage anyone... To, to join. Well, it's it's nuanced, you know. I mean, we do certainly kind of, you know, we talk about the good and the bad, I think. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, so I hope people feel pretty good about the little cow. Um, the what? The, cows, the little cow that, that blew up in the previous story. I hope people feel okay about that story. It's just a, I, don't, I don't entirely understand why it happened, but that's okay. Mm. It'd be nice to know if there are any veterinarians out there, what what on earth caused the cow to explode. I mean, it, it's probably not a great way to go. Um, you mean if imagine, if it, 
Imagine if it had, had it got that much gas in it that it would have just floated away. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> Listen, uh, let's both wish Aldi good luck on his newfound career as a police mm. officer because it's you know it's kind of your fault. Mm. And also, everyone, if you're out and about and you are uh, you happen to see a police officer named Aldi, please congratulate him. And if you happen to see the other Paul Verhoeven or know him, let's line something up. This is not a joke. <clears throat> now, Paul, yeah, my um, my lovely mother, hi, mum. Um, That's her name. She, That's a weird name. Yeah, it's it's hyphenated. It's hi, mum oh. Verhoeven. Yeah, okay. yeah. And she wrote to me a few days ago. She was literally, literally devastated. She said to me, um, because you've hinted at the season, the entire season, the whole shebang is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. So, mum writes to me a few days ago and said, John, um, is next week's podcast the last podcast? And do you know what I said to her? What? I said, yes. And I haven't told her about the new season. That seems cruel. Well, I just wanted to have some effect. So, Mum, there is going to be a new season Mm. and it's really exciting. We've been doing a lot of research and it's pretty intense. Yeah, the premise is wild. Next week, we will actually announce what it's called, what it's about, and when you can hear it. And, Jesus, I'm a little nervous. It's so... I'm nervous too. Yep. Because I... You know, our, our lovely, lovely listeners, of which there are, God, so many. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, they, they, they do have expectations. Yeah. And uh, good taste and high standards. And good so, taste. Yeah, we'll all see. that. See how it goes. So, Paul, seeing it's Wacky Friday, mm-hmm. I thought I would regale you and the listeners with an antique story, if you like. Yes, please. So, a few weeks ago, I get a call from a lady who lives in a shoe. On the North Shore. Okay. I go to this house. So I rock up to this house. And I just had a feeling, because I've been doing this for so long, that it's possible that I'm about to enter a treasure trove. And I was an excitement scale, 10 being the most excited. I was registering close to 8 on my excitement scale. I parked tentatively, walked down the driveway, and I see a big skip massive and i peeked inside as i've done on hundreds of occasions Mm -hmm. and i could see quite nice things that she was throwing out which is a good indicator it could indicate that perhaps they don't fully appreciate the value of things so because they're throwing good stuff out so i'm walking up to the door and there are lots of sort of interesting pot plants and knickknacks and she comes to the door and when i walk inside the house, I realized that in the last 40 years, this particular house was going to reveal a trove of excitement. Everywhere I looked were paintings, and some of them by relatively famous artists. And there were four display cabinets that were chocker block. I'd open up a cabinet and there would be hundreds of items in every single cabinet. Right. And there were carved elephants, almost like a procession. I'm not sure what you call a group of element, elephants. Do we know what they call the a group? collective noun for a group of elephants? Uh, yeah. No, I don't know, actually. Okay, so whatever a group of elephants. And they're all sort of graded in size. Mm-hmm. The biggest one was at the front. It's a memory like a of elephants. Oh, okay. Right. And, there's, and they're all sort of walking towards the front door. Um, obviously, they weren't walking because they were, in fact, inanimate objects. But they had that sense of wanting to leave the house. So, there was this beautiful 
old bell, like a classic 19th century massive brass bell with a big wooden handle. Eventually, we made our way into... The story is that it was her parents' house. Mm -hmm. They'd passed away. She'd been living there looking after her mother. She passed. She's staying there. Now, the house is going to be sold. It'll be demolished. It's got a fantastic block of land. And she is in the process of looking for buying something else way up on the North Coast. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we go into the bedroom. And there is your classic 1950s dressing table. It is covered with treasures, like perfume bottles with sterling silver mounts. Everything was high quality. And I said, do you mind if I open up the drawers? And she said, everything's for sale. So I dropped to my knees and I start opening up all these drawers. And her father had been a mason, a member of the Masonic Lodge. And I don't know whether people are familiar with Masonic regalia, but a lot of it, or the really good stuff, is solid gold. And I'm pulling out these solid gold medals, Masonic medals, with the ribbons attached. And I'm really, mate, I'm, trust me, I'm, I'm actually getting really excited. Like I'm thinking to myself, I'm on a winner. Yeah. Everything about the estate is ticking all the boxes. I spent about an hour to an hour and a half sort of processing everything. Now, there's a very famous Australian bird artist called Neville Cayley, and he was very famous for his kookaburras, and he was painting in the late 19th, early 20th century. Mm -hmm. These paintings are stunning. These big kookaburras, sometimes they've got a snake in their mouth, and they're, they're quite valuable. And she had quite a few of those, and then there were other paintings. The family were quite obsessed with birds, and I'm just looking at these oil paintings, 
and she explains to me that the, her father was related to Sir Henry Parks, the father of Federation. So again, it ticks another box. We're talking provenance, we're talking... And there were these paintings of what looked to me like early colonial homesteads, like early... The way Sydney would have been in the 1860s, just, just farms, mm-hmm. and there were gum trees, so they were definitely not English scenes. And I just thought to myself, I mean, it's hard not to get carried away, but I wasn't... It was such an involved quote that I couldn't afford to, to make a mistake. Needed to be very, very thorough. So I took lots and lots of photographs, not specific photos, just group shots. And then I almost didn't want to ask about the paintings because you start to realize it's so good. It's like going into the best candy store on earth and. There's no candy, there's just paintings. I'd be <laughs> fucked off. <laughs> Paul. It's like going into a candy store. Yeah. And you know that they're the best candies in the world and you're scared to ask the proprietor, are are they all for sale? And the proprietor looks down and says, every single thing in this shop is for sale. And you just feel wonderful. And I said, I was almost, I waited about half an hour. I was so nervous Mm. because I'd sort of sized up the immensity of this estate and it was a virgin estate. No one... No other dealers had been there. She hadn't contacted any of the auction houses. I'm the first person. It was a Sunday morning and it's just, I'm just in my element. There's no hurry, no rush. And then I said to her, I almost couldn't say it. I was so nervous. I said, are all the paintings for sale? There must have been 15 paintings. Okay. And she said, all but one. And my heart sank because I just knew that she was going to say the best painting in the entire collection, which was bloody obvious, Mm. is not for sale. And she didn't point to that painting. She said, oh, it's in the kitchen. So I go into the kitchen and there is, with respect, one of the worst paintings I've ever ever seen. It 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 was so badly painted that it was almost, it was just crap. I mean, it could have been painted with respect to eight-year-olds with no talent. It could have been painted by an eight-year-old with no talent. You know that saying with respect and then saying something horrible about an eight-year-old doesn't make it more respectful? <laughs> no, I understand, but I'm trying to sort of think about the listeners that may have an eight-year-old budding artist. Um, with respect, your eight-year-old's talentless. No, but I'm trying to sort of portray a visceral image of a shit painting. And what it was, mm. it was so bad, and it was painted... a. I mean, you could hardly even figure out what it was. But what it was, it was like a like a cottage on a river. Mm-hmm. But the story was, and this kind of, again, this is like detective work. You start to put the facts together. You piece together through conversation. It's a little bit kind of like poker, which I'm really bad at. But in this particular game, it's a mind game. You want to extract as much information and history, antecedents, you know, family sort of the story is so important as to what you're looking at because it helps you begin to get into the the psyche of the collector. So she said, and then I I feel bad, listeners. I'm I'm about to say something that I feel a little bit bad about, okay? (laughs) But I'm going to say it because it's kind of, it'll add a bit of brevity to this already very exciting story. And I actually said, to her, I said, what a lovely painting. 
oh god i said it and i because i need it i don't know why i said it i just said it's a lovely painting maybe because i felt so bad that i was buying all the good stuff right. and she decided to keep this it's a shit painting like it's so bad if it was on a council cleanup you just you just you'd sneer at it and um so but i was excited because i realized okay now i came home and i prepared my quote and let me just say listeners and paul this is a big quote with lots of zeros not just zeros like a number in front of and then zeros Uh and i wrote back to her and i said this quote is this is what I'm going to offer to come in with lots of boxes and spend the entire day there and just take what I like. And she said, I totally agree. And then she writes back to me and might I add listeners, there was a lot of jewelry and a lot of it was pretty good. She then writes to me about a week later. I was getting a bit anxious because I thought, golly, look, and then I did what I don't often do, but I just, I, I get so excited and there's so much at stake here because it is my it's my livelihood. So I, I, I very rarely do this, but I wrote back and said, look, in relation to my quote, I just want to let you know that I'm relatively flexible. And she wrote back saying, that's fine. She said, however, my daughter and her children have come down from the Central Coast and get ready for this. She says, and my children, my grandchildren, oh, the grandkids, they look so beautiful wearing all the jewellery you could have stuck a knife in my heart so i then began to realize that the jewelry was off the she's giving all this jewelry to her grandchildren as as dress up jewelry i felt sick including the masonic solid gold badges and i said look okay i can i can handle that then she says to me my daughter is going to put stickers on a couple of items because when i was doing the original quote on the Sunday, spending an hour and a half there, she said to me emphatically, there are a few pieces of ladro, which is Spanish porcelain. Most people will know what ladro is. It's not particularly valuable. Just the ladro, six pieces in all, they're not for sale. I said, that's fine. I said, how about you get some stickers and put little stickers on the ladro so that when I come in to to pack everything, I'll know not to touch the ladro. So there are six pieces of ladro. There's the jewellery that's off the table. And then I started to feel a bit anxious because I just got this gut feeling that, you know, things were a bit stressful. So I wrote to her the day before I was going to go to pick everything up. And I said, can you please send me a photograph of everything with stickers? And she sent me about 40 photographs of about a hundred items the daughter had come in and put dots on at least a hundred items and i felt i felt terrible but i thought it's still worth my while for the paintings but it was getting a bit sort of nerve-wracking so then i just thought look i'm not going to call i'm not going to say look I'm, I'm i'm upset and then she said get ready for this she said look in relation to your quote this is after all this the family the kids you know So much stuff's been taken off the table. She said, I think it would help if you raised your quote. And I I, I just, I was torn. And I said, okay. And I I succumbed and I I upped the quote. So I upped the quote 
even though a lot of stuff had been taken off the table. Then on the Sunday, and she said to me, in relation to the Masonic regalia, the, the, the solid gold jewellery, look, that's still there, that's, that's yours. So on the morning of the Sunday, and listeners, might I say I spent eight hours on my knees packing this estate up by myself, and I went into the bedroom. I tried not to sort of rush into the bedroom, but I was feeling a bit, bit depressed, actually, because I wanted to see. And all the jewellery was gone. The Masonic gold stuff was gone. And then I walked into the lounge and I started opening up the cabinets and I'd reach sort of into the back of a cabinet and then I'd pull something out and there was a sticker on it. And the stuff that the daughter had come in, and, and you can say, oh, well, that's fine. It's the family stuff. Yeah, I get it. But then... You know, I was really, really mucked around a fair bit. Um, and then I thought, no, nah, the money's in the paintings. So I packed everything up and then I took the best painting to my framer and I was I was nervous because I knew it was a pretty valuable painting mm-hmm. and we took it out of the glass because they had non-reflective glass on the cover of all, like fronting all of the artwork. And with non-reflective glass, it's got this weird sort of micro bubble effect. And when you use a magnifying glass or a jeweler's loop, you can't tell looking through the glass whether or not it's a print. But I was so excited. And these two really good framers are there. We're all masked masked up. And we pulled this um, large painting of a kookaburra out of the frame and I had my special jeweler's loop and I leant over and it was a print. I'd bought a print. And I can't tell you how incredibly depressed I was. So you got kind I mean, of you got kind of screwed here. Well, at this point in the story I I was totally fucked over mm. and really pissed off and I was I felt sick. So I got them to frame it, and I'm just going to flick it on. It's just a print worth half of Sweet FA. I go back to my storage facility. I have got 15 other paintings, a couple by the same artist. And I was so sort of pissed off. And I took the second painting out of the frame in my storage unit. And imagine the tension where I put my little miner's lamp on. You know, I wear a little miner's, like a, it's not a miner's lamp, but you know, one of those headlamps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look like a total dickhead. So, and I've got a little chair set up and I'm sort of, it's quiet, it's dark. It's, you know, I'm in my element in my sort of storage facility, which I've just tripled in size, by the way. And I bring my loop down onto this next painting and guess what? It's an original. It's signed. I'm going to get my money back. But getting your money back, that's one thing. And then I was still feeling a bit despondent, but I thought, well, at least I haven't lost any money. Mm. And then when I was back at the house, there was this drawer and it, she'd, she'd left some scraps for me in a tin. Like I'm talking just basically rubbish in this small tin. And when I... I just had this feeling while I was in my storage unit and I walked over to this tin and I sort of looked inside it and then I saw something that I I just thought, it, this can't be. And I looked at it and I looked at it and I studied it and I sat there and I, I was so excited, I was almost trembling in the dark. Well, it's semi-dark. 
and I looked down, and what it was, listeners, it was a it was a solid gold shovel and pick that are crossed together to form a brooch, and the interlinking object in the middle of the two tools, mining tools, a solid nugget of gold. And I began to realise that what I'd stumbled across, what I'd found in this tin of crap, was in fact an Australian gold miner's brooch. And they're very desirable. When miners struck the mother load, they would often go into town and get a jeweller to make up a beautiful brooch that they would give to their their sweetheart or their mother. And they're, they're desirable. And I, I felt fantastic. And then, as if that's not enough, I bought all these vases. I was basically just shoveling things into this. It was just a nightmare. I can't describe what it's like to, to pack a house full. But literally, I bought over a thousand items. I mean, a lot of it, or quite a bit of it, I had to tip because I... I wasn't being that thorough on the day because it's pretty sort of... When, you, when you're packing a house up by yourself on your knees and everything's dirty, might I add, it's covered in uh, grease and fat and dust and it's just caked on. And then a few days ago, I'm in my storage unit. I'd, I'd love to share some photos uh, maybe on the Facebook page of just some of the things that I bought. And there was this small vase and it's a Dutch vase and it's called Gouda and it's fairly desirable uh, but it's not it's not exciting. But there are a couple of pieces, you know, that are super rare. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at this little vase and I turn it around for some reason. And as God is my witness, I saw something on the front of this Gouda vase and my heart stopped. And what it was, it's a painting on this Dutch vase of an Australian magpie. And I turned the vase upside down and sure enough, it says Gouda Holland magpie. I've been doing research on... That particular pattern on that vase, there are three known examples in the world. Three. And I've got one of them. How's that for a great finale? What had turned initially into a sort of a bit of a shitstorm where she'd really, really done the wrong thing, I kind of, things turned around. But they may not have, but you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good ending to that, uh, that story. Pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty so well. That's it. Well, I don't know if that's disincentivized anyone, you know, made them want to join the antiques business, but uh you know who knows, it sounds pretty high stress. Not as high stress as the police obviously, but pretty high stress. Well, look, that's absolutely all the time we have for today, uh for this week's episode of Loose Ends, but on Tuesday you'll be hearing the final episode of this season of Loose Units. Dad and I are very excited. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Have a great weekend everyone and we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.